0: Hi I'm Peter and you're listening to Defining Boundaries. Welcome back to season two. I hope that you enjoyed the past year of conversations from amazing people from around the world within our geospatial community. This year I look forward to many more conversations and I hope that you join me on my journey surveying the world one story at a time. Head over to my Patreon site if you'd like to support the show. You can make a donation towards the purchase and upgrading of equipment, website subscription and file hosting. If you'd like to join me to have a chat or you have someone in particular from the industry that you'd like to hear about, send me a message. You'll find the link in the show notes or in my bio on all social media and my website petercox.com. So if you're ready, let's go grab a drink, sit back, relax and enjoy our chat.
1: Defining Boundaries with Peter Cox.
0: Before we begin our chat today, I'd just like to say a massive thank you to Greg Goodman and the Institution of Surveyors, New South Wales Southern Group, for their generous donation that they presented to me at the December conference in Wollongong last year. I don't have sponsors, and Greg has been such a great support of my podcast. I would also like to thank the Geoholics, Kent, Ryan and Jake, for their continued guidance, support and donation of a new mic setup. Thank you for being such great friends and supporters of my show. From the bottom of my heart, it means a lot.
2: My guest today is Luke Woodyard, a Party Chief and Scanning Specialist at QK4. Luke hails from Kentucky, USA. He was born in Lexington and grew up in Frank- Frankfort, Frankfort, Kentucky. We'll check that one. He started his career as a construction inspector while he was still in school. After one survey class, he fell in love with it and spoke to his boss, who helped him move over to the surveying, surveying department. Since then, he's been learning and hasn't looked back. Luke enjoys hunting and fishing and just about anything outdoors, don't we all? He is unleashing his creative side by creating masterpieces with his leatherwork. Fairly new to the industry, Luke is still working on the awards side of things. He is passionate about promoting the surveying industry and especially the Young Surveyors Network. He is the state rep for the Kentucky chapter. His passion shows through in all that he does and he believes that promotion of our industry is a great cause and a way to get the next generation together whilst also helping one another in the surveying profession. Hi, Luke, and thanks for joining me today.
3: Hey, thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to being on here. I've been re- <laughs> listening up on a lot of podcasts to kind of get a feel for what all the questions I'm going to have to
2: answer are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I probably need to change them up a little bit, don't I? <laughs>
3: <laughs> Give away the
1: secret.
2: Give it, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aaron, it's all good. It's all good. Um. Okay, so born and bred... Kentucky boy, by the looks of it. You didn't move far from.
3: No, I I actually grew up in Frankfurt. And then um, after that, after I graduated high school and stuff, I went to uh, Western Kentucky uh, to a little town called Owensboro and uh, Mm -hmm. did three years of college there at a school called Kentucky Wesleyan and got a degree in physics and then uh, transferred back to the University of Kentucky to what I thought was going to be an electrical engineering degree. And uh found out real quick that was not my my forte so yeah. uh, made the switch over to civil engineering and had my my first land surveying class and just fell in love with it and went back to work and was like, all right I know we've got a department what do I got to do to get there and how do we how do we make this happen
2: awesome that's that's um yeah it, it quite it happens that way quite a lot that people start in an engineering or a, a different field that you know touches on the surveying or they see it somewhere within it and oh, yeah. and then all of a sudden they're just like this is it this is what i want to do
3: exactly yeah. exactly that's we uh we just had our uh, state conference the caps conference kentucky association of professional surveyors
2: mm-hmm. this
3: past week and uh at, at doing that um, you know with being the state rep or the state coordinator for kentucky young surveyors network we got a lot of uh guys come by and telling us how they got into it and areas to look for for young guys to to get Ah. into the profession and and to bring them in and it always seems like you know it was either oh you know when I grew up I was an ag student and I I worked on the farm all the time and I just found out about this or you know I did this uh, business class and then saw this guy doing something on the side of the street one day and got talking to him and decided I'd Mm -hmm. give that a try and, and worked his way into that I mean it just people come from all over and it seems like they happen into the the survey profession. Yeah.
2: It does seem that there's probably more that do happen into it and fall into it. Um, than those that that's, they've, they've known all along, all along in school that that's what they're going to do. It's pretty funny. Um, okay. Sure. So what was it like growing up in Kentucky? I mean,
3: um, it was a lot of ups and downs. The weather here is crazy. So, um, mm-hmm. uh, you never know what you're going to get. We've had, I've been through a couple of big ice storms and things like that growing up, which is a wild thing to see and uh, dealing with school um, where I grew up in Frankfurt. Uh, my mom was a, uh, she, she still is a Methodist minister. And uh, okay. so growing up in the church and things like that. And uh, we moved, we lived in Richmond when I was born and then we moved to Frankfurt when I was about three. And then I've grown up here most of my life, but uh, we've had a farm, We've always had a farm in a couple of different counties and, um, you know, it's moved around from time to time, but we've had horses. So grew up with some mm. horses and,
2: you know, nice. the, the
3: tried and true Kentucky way, you gotta have a <laughs> horse in your backyard, right? So, uh, we, we did that and, uh, dad still has those. He grew up trail riding and, and working cattle with horses and stuff. So, um, brought up with that. And then, uh, my grandfather on my dad's side was a big, uh, outdoorsman, big, farmer mm-hmm. and you know raised tobacco and things like that but you know he really got me into the the hunting and fishing side of things and uh he was a a big rabbit hunter loved oh, loved a rabbit oh, okay. and tune hunt so he always had right. dogs around running running dogs and and getting to play with them and listen to that that was that was always fun and then uh on the other side of the family we live we live about 30 minutes between the two cities where my grandparents live right in the middle. So we would go see them all the time. And on my mom's side, uh, that grandfather was a civil engineer and come to find out after he had passed away and we were going through some stuff in the basement, he was actually a surveyor uh, (laughs) for the federal government, which I had no idea about. I just knew he was a civil engineer and worked on bridges and dams and things like that. So I've got uh, three of his old instruments that he had in the basement propped up on a shelf in the, in the office behind my desk
2: No nice. look at and kind of
3: see. So that was cool. But, you know, he taught me the the mechanical side of things. You know, we would mm-hmm. go over there and he'd always have lawnmowers and stuff to work on. So we did that for a long time and he thought I'd be a, a good mechanical engineer. And uh, I stuck with the, the civil side of things because I like the <laughs> surveying and being outside and not getting stuck in an office or a factory or anything like that.
2: Yeah, I think that's the big draw card to our profession, isn't it? Being able to go outside.
3: It's
2: a, oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. uh, No, 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 yeah, I was just going to say, until you get to that point in your career where you end up in the office and you go, I joined this profession to be outside and now I've ended up in an office and (laughs) managing people and, you know, you, you jump to be able to go out and actually get back in the field again.
3: Yeah, it seems like for us, we've got, um, you know, I've got I've got uh, two bosses that I, I deal with and I work with being on on the scanning side of things. You know, my time mm-hmm. gets kind of split between field work on boundary and property and topo and then scanning
1: mm-hmm.
3: um, and the, the terrestrial scanners and stuff like that. But uh, it always seems like they're trying to find a way to get their, get back out in the field and get out of the <laughs> office for a few hours and have fun. But you know, I think that's one really nice thing about our profession is when you're young, you can get out there and, and run around and go hike yeah. all the hills you want to hike and, mm-hmm. and see everything you want to see. And then when you're older and you got a family and you're ready to settle down a little bit, you can kind of get into that office flow of things and be be the nine to five type.
2: Yeah, it's it's a good mix, isn't it? When when you when you can get it. Um, so, are you a licensed? Survivor? I am not
3: licensed. No, mm-hmm. I am. I am working on that. I've got uh-huh. a, I've actually got an exam coming up in March to to take ah. the first step to that. OK, so um, for Kentucky, we have to have a you got to have a four year degree in land surveying or a four year civil engineering degree with I think it's 12 credit hours of surveying classes. So mm-hmm. I've got that taken care of. And now it's the nice. the exam aspect of it.
2: Yeah. Is it? Um, how many exams do you have?
3: Uh, two. So we've got the yeah. the LSIT, which is the land surveyor and training, and then your uh, your professional exam for the, the PLS stamp.
2: Mm, okay. Yeah. So, Over here I think we I think they do about five or something in different different areas to be able to get their registration so and license. That's nice.
3: Yeah. yeah they uh they've started a program here that we've got four of our crew guys have all taken the first exam, the CST exam.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it's
3: the certified surveying technician. And you can't get licensed through that aspect of it, but it it gives you a lot of the same accreditations as a as a surveyor. You you be you're basically getting accredited as a as a field chief or a party chief.
1: Yeah. Okay. And
3: uh and getting that aspect of it and getting all the, the certifications there. Um it's not something that's needed, but it, it you know, it really looks good and helps the guys out when they're going out to talk to people and they, they see that, like, Oh, okay. These guys know what they're doing. You know, they've passed yeah. these exams. They've, they've done their time.
2: Mm, that That's um that's interesting. It would be interesting to see what's what's involved in that one. So I might have a chat with you later yeah. on about that. And yeah. See I think what, what's been if coming. I'm not
3: mistaken, uh, NSPS puts that one on. Okay. So it's a, it's through NSPS. If I'm not mistaken, I need to double yeah, check right. on that.
2: Yeah. Okay. Um. All right, so you do your land and topos, and you're also doing scanning stuff. How long have you been on the scanning side of things? Because um, I looked at your company, and it's it's a decent looks like it's a decent size. There's a lot of uh, offices.
1: Yeah,
3: we've got a uh, we've got quite a few offices. Some of them are are relatively small, with just a few mm-hmm. people in them, in areas that we need them, and then you know, our, our main two offices are uh, Louisville, Kentucky. And then Frankfurt is our, I think that's our second biggest. And that's the one I'm based out of.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: And, uh, no, I got, so when I got on, um, with the survey side of things, uh, my, my boss Ben Shinneberry was real big into the scanning stuff like that. And I didn't know he
2: was your boss. Sorry. I should have looked (laughs) in a little bit further.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. He's, he's a, he's my boss. He's a great guy. And, uh, I think it was about the first two months I've been working in survey. I've been following one of their one of our older uh, crew chiefs around. His name was Larry Henson. He was a he's a hoot. He you <laughs> you get all kinds of stories from old Larry. But uh, we had a we had a bourbon warehouse fall in Bardstown, Kentucky, and uh, it collapsed. And that was my first real uh, get to go out in the field and play with the scanner and see Mm -hmm. how it worked. And, uh, we had another technician working with us at the time and she took me out and showed me how to set it up and run it. And we ran it. And, uh, I remember just thinking how wild it was to see how fast, you know, our little Pharaoh unit spun around in a circle and it captured Mm -hmm. all this data. And then we could take it back and look at it in the computer and really see what all had happened with it. And, uh, from there, anytime Ben had a, a scan job. I was always asking questions about it and poking and prodding to learn more and things like that. So he's eventually started bringing me on more and more jobs to, to get out there and check it, check that out. And, uh, the, the lady that was running our scan side of things, she ended up leaving to go back to school and, uh, Mm -hmm. ended up going back to get a doctorate, I think, or a master's, one of the two. And, uh, Ben kind of set me off on my own with a, a scanner and, uh, at that point, we were starting a uh, project here in Kentucky. Uh, it's the Bridging Kentucky project. It was a thousand bridges that needed to be surveyed and replaced and rebuilt and,
1: yeah, and okay. structural
3: analysis on. So uh, we did that. We bought a uh, SX-10 unit, Trimble's SX-10 unit. So no, we had the total station and scanner combined. And yep. I got sent out with that um, in the summertime when I was working. So I got to go out and play with that a bunch. And scan bridges and do all these crazy topos and all these wild areas of Kentucky that I'd never been and things that you just would never see if you if you didn't have this job yeah and then uh I was actually still finishing school up at that point so uh Ben and QK4 were generous enough to to let me work while I was in school part-time so anytime I didn't have class I was either in the office trying to help process or I was driving somewhere to meet somebody on a site to to work and get my hands on the equipment and just keep learning and and uh, growing with everything.
2: Mm, I honestly think that's the uh, the best the best way is no, no matter what you're studying, whether it's uh, our our lower um, technical sort of side or even the de- the degree side, the university side, yeah. to be out there and doing the work and working with other guys who have been in the system um, and learning from them. And learning on the job just, is so they have so important.
3: They have more knowledge than they can pack into a classroom. Between the old field guys, the guys who have been doing this for years and years and years, and mm. who've grown, you know, from working with a uh, just an old theodolite with no EDM or anything on it to growing through GPS and and everything like that. It's it's those guys are the guys that we need teaching the younger generation because they can tell them you know, I know this works because I did it before this worked and we've got to use this method to make this work and to go this route and things like that. And I I think that's awesome. And I'm lucky enough to have guys around me who've, who've been doing it forever and they're great mentors and, you know, they, they want to, they want to help out any way they can and and push me to do the best that I can. And I'm very thankful for that.
2: Mm. Do you have um, mentor programs and stuff over there through the, 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 to the associations or your company or anything like that, or it's just the, the casual mentoring sort of thing with whoever you're working with.
3: It's more along the casual, the casual yeah. side of things, you know, um, it's, I think anybody in the profession is willing to mentor anybody they can. And it mm. just takes a simple, Hey, can we talk about this? And then, you know, I don't think I've ever, physically ask somebody to be my mentor, but yeah. I'm always going back to them and just, you know, hammering them with questions and, and ideas and theories on the way things, I, the way I think things should work. And then being explained that, you know, you're close, but you got to do it this way. And, and this is how it's done and things like that. And I, I think that's a, something needed um, across the board for everybody. And I think uh, it's it's one of those things that with the, the young surveyors network, I'm really pushing forward to try to keep our young guys all connected and to get our older Mm. guys connected with the young, because, you know, I think, you know, the average age of a surveyor in the state of Kentucky is right around 60.
1: So they're
3: all, they're all pushing that, that retirement level right there. And if we don't do something quick, we're going to start losing a lot of knowledge that we really need to have invested in these young guys that are coming in like myself and some of the guys I work with.
1: Mm.
2: It's, it's amazing how across the world that mid 50 you know to 60 plus is the average age
3: yeah of these surveyors
2: it's, it's
3: i don't you know i don't i don't know where the the disconnect happened
1: no. you know
3: at what time period and like you know whether it was between 1990 and 2000 you know they thought 2000 all the computers were going to blow up and in the world and if that was where they were like, oh, we forgot about surveyors in school. We don't, mm-hmm. we don't need to talk about this profession. We talk about engineering, and engineering covers surveying, and you uh, know, it does. I mean, we we get into it a little bit, but it doesn't get into the level. It's only
2: of, a really little bit. Like I mean, you get a yeah, tiny you get a
3: little a little pebble of it, and if you like <laughs> it, you're searching for more, and if you don't, you're like, oh, this is this is kind of cool. You know, I'll, I'll yeah. look at this later if I if I need something else to do.
1: <clears throat> but yeah. I think it's,
3: I think it's something definitely needed that we've got to, as a, as a profession and whole, you know, all over the world, we've got to figure out how to get this back. And I think the, you know, the Get Kids Into Surveying program is awesome. You know, getting mm-hmm. these young, young kids into it and really teaching them about that. And um, we're talking here in the state, we're trying to get some stuff set up with uh, some of my old professors and uh, high school teachers and stuff to get into high schools and talk to young kids yeah. that are in the ag programs and the STEM programs about surveying and what it is and what all you get to do, you know, show off all the cool toys, the scanners and everything like that and yeah. get them interested.
2: I think that's so important. Like we, we've we just been working um, together with the Department of Education for STEM Um, to bring surveying into into the classrooms for year nine and ten which is um sort of 15 year olds sort of age group um so that they know about it before they go on to their two last years of high school and have a bit of a direction of knowing that um you know you can play and you can learn about all these different things within surveying and it's not just you know setting up an instrument and putting in two pegs, there's so much more to it sort of thing. Oh, yeah. Um, that, yeah, we've been working on that. And uh, hopefully that that will be coming into the schools soon or next year in 2022. So I That's think it's awesome. the age that we need to hit. I love the Get Kids Into Survey. And we've got another one over here called She Maps, um, okay. which um, Karen does uh, solely it was more pointed to the females because she went to a class, uh, she went to a high school um, to do a drone, <clears throat> excuse me, she went to do a, a um, you know, show off the drones and everything and do a talk about it and it was just full of boys. And she's, she went to them and she's like, where's the girls? Or well, the girls aren't interested. So she went away but very perplexed about why, yeah. why there were no girls there. Um, and so she came up with this she well, I don't know if it was called She Maps to start off with, but she went back to the school and she said, What if I just do a class just for the girls? Would you get any interest? And it ended up being that she got that much interest, she had to shrink a program down to be able to do, you know, four or five of these types of programs throughout the day because there were so many girls interested. So um you know and she's she's doing so much uh, through the schools as well and everything so and a lot of uh in ed, um, education on uh, environment and um you know people who um, in 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 countries that you know a low, lower socioeconomic and stuff like that bringing attention how to what we can do to help them and you know all that sort of stuff as well so.
3: Oh, for sure. I think it's going to be, I I think that's absolutely awesome. I think we definitely Mm. need to, to work on on that aspect because I think a lot of, a lot of girls, especially young girls, they see this and they're like, Oh, you're just, you know, out in the woods or tromping around or, or what's even worse than the the stigma that I hate more than just about anything in the world is, Oh, you wear one of those orange vests. You don't make any (laughs) money and you work all day long. And I just I, I remember being in school and and seeing guys out on the road and like guys I knew, like people I knew, and somebody saying, Oh man, you know, they don't have any education at all. They're they're just, you know, out of high school, just trying to make a living. And I'm like, No, that that guy out there is he's actually an engineer and he's making good money. You know, he's this is this is what the job is. You're not just sitting in an office all day, you know, yeah. nine to five looking at a computer screen. You've got to get out there and inspect and look at things and yeah. people just that that's one of those things that always has burned me up about, about the, the world is people don't understand that, you know, even though we get out and wear the orange vest and we are outside a lot, that we are professionals. And I think, I think the young girls see that, that orange vest. And I think it just, it's like, Oh, this is a, this is a guy thing. This is, this is for Mm -hmm. men. This is for, for me. And, and I think that that's something that we need to figure out how to, how to work around and change the, the uh, stigma on the, on the whole, safety apparel vest, yeah, and everything like
2: that. Yeah, well, I have a nice pink one, so I'm good. There you go. <laughs> as well as my orange and yellow and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> Not that I get to wear them very often anymore, but uh, it just depends on the was, day, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was uh, one of my old my one of my old bosses that was sitting there having lunch one day, and all these tradies walked past with their pink vests on, and I'm like, I need one of those. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's and, awesome.
2: And it supports breast cancer as well. So it was all There you, know, you go. Yep.
1: There
3: you go. You
2: know, two birds with one stone. So yeah. Um yeah, well I've seen, you know, on on Instagram you see a lot of um the women in construction who are posting a lot more now to show that, you know, the types of jobs they're doing um and doing them well and and oh, yeah. you know, moving up in the ladder and you know, whether you're driving driving some you know heavy heavy equipment or you're pouring concrete or you know you you're building frames whatever it may be you're testing soil it's all, the, all that sort of stuff it's like you know th- these ladies are awesome and then actually starting to to show everybody what they're doing and,
3: and i'm glad they, the confidence is can. there i love seeing mm-hmm. that stuff you know it just it's awesome to me to see everybody getting into it and the, the real world side of things. I mean, I have to filter through a lot of my Instagram to find stuff that really interests me. And I found myself over the past few months, just, you know, deleting account after account or unfollowing account after account, after account, because I'm like, you just, you don't bring anything valuable to the world. Mm. And then I found myself going through and searching through, you know, like I'll get on, uh, uh, Matt's safety apparel uh, yeah. party chief vest thing, and yeah. I'll look and see the people he's posting, and I'll get on there and I'll go through, you know, three or four iterations of people finding people they've tagged in photos, and I'm <laughs> like, you do an awesome job. Like, you all have some really cool stuff going on. Why are you not posting more and getting this out there? Yeah, and I think it's awesome that that whole that whole arena is starting to change and and bring more light to the to our world mm. and and things like
2: that. Mm, definitely. Most definitely. Um, back to, back to your field. So most of the stuff you're doing um, you so you do a little bit of the field and the office. Yeah, work, I do. I get, the, stuff. I get the,
3: I get the chance to do both. Um, and I think that's a, a big help for me, especially still working on getting my licensure. I'm getting to see both sides of the, the aspect mm. and help the, help the guys I'm working with a lot too. So my day to day, you know, I, I get out in the field and I'll go set control um, this past week, you know, we, we've been working on a job down in Eastern Kentucky and it's, a uh, set and control for a stream restoration project. And, okay. um, I've actually gone out and set the control myself, put the pins in the ground, run the level, reduce the level. And then, uh, we're working up the, the, uh, adjustments, um, on all of our points to make sure everything's clear. So, you know, I'll I'll go in on a on a boundary survey or something that is kind of small and that we've got time on, and I'll you know I'll go out and do all the field work on it and find the corners or do all that, and then I'll work the plat up as far as I can work it and uh, get all the adjustments made and lay all my mm-hmm. notes out for my boss to review and say, okay, yep, you've done it, I approve this. Here's where I want you to set the last you know the two pins that are missing on this property. Go back and set them, and then finish yep. the plat out and give it to me, and I'll stamp it. So. I yeah. think that's a huge, mm. a huge help on the learning side of things. It, it gets you the, the knowledge. You're putting the, the stuff you learned in school to, to use on that because you're, yeah. you're getting to use your drafting skills and your, your critical thinking skills out in the field. Well, you know this fence. He, he didn't tell me to pick this fence up, but it's on the line and it might be over the line a little bit. We might need to show it and, and getting out there and finding the right spots to set. You know. A property corner and confidently feeling like that is mm. where it needs to go. And uh, making those decisions off of some field calcs and saying, you know, here's what I did. I know you're confident in me. And this is, this is the math I did. This is how I did it. This is the process I went through. Are you okay with it? And you get that, that, yeah, I'm good with it. Go ahead yeah. and set it. And you're like, sweet. You know, I'm doing my job. I'm doing this right. I'm, I'm really understanding what's going on.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I've noticed we sort of have the, the the two views on when it comes to surveying that you've got the ones who um, show them how to do the calculations, get them to do their own calculations so that when they go out in the field, they know what they're doing and they're understanding what they're doing. And then you've got this other view of um, someone's in the office doing all of that, they get a file sent to them it gets downloaded into the instrument off they go and set something out and you know I've had conversations with people um and it's like you know what are you setting out oh I don't know the the boss just gave us this file and we're just putting you know we're putting these marks in the ground I think it's for this or I think it's for that or you know whatever and you're just going oh you you're going out in the field and you don't actually know what you're doing
3: yeah, yeah. Um, you no, know, I think the press a
2: button, knock a peg in, or. <laughs> very I worked sad with a guy when I
3: first started, who was uh, when I was doing construction inspection, and I first started. Uh, we had a, you know, I was sitting on the site all day. We were testing concrete or checking tickets for or gravel and stuff like that. And there was one of the foremen had a guy out there with a the old Trimble R8 unit, mm. and it was I mean just beat up one side <laughs> and down the other. And, you know, they, you know, they knew what they were doing with it. They were just checking grade on things. And the older guy I was working with, who was kind of showing me the ropes on inspection was like, those things right there, you know what they're called? I said, GPS. He goes, no, they're called devil sticks. I said, devil sticks, what? He goes, yeah, you just walk around and push a button all day. He said, there's no surveying involved with that. And I was like, Okay, And then when I got into the, you know, the actual survey side of things and I started seeing it, I'm like, okay, you didn't think there was any survey side of this because he was the guy who was just getting handed a file and he was going out there and staking points out. And you really need that that back end where you get to go down to the courthouse and filter through all the deeds and all the old nonsense and figure out what's what and what goes where. And, oh, they've numbered this deed book wrong and I've Mm -hmm. got to go find another page and another book. And then taking that back to the office and reducing it down to lines on the screen that resemble somewhat what's supposed to be on the ground and knowing how to load that to your data collector and go out there and actually find what's Mm. there and, and, and use that is that is, that's the whole kit and caboodle right there. You get, you know, that's, that's what I love because I get the, the office aspect of it. I could be in the office Monday and Tuesday and then Wednesday through Friday I'm out working a boundary and trying to find the corners and figure out what I need to get to pick up, to have enough information to set everything back as close to originally possible as I can yeah. and work it out. And I think that's the side of things that a lot of people don't get to see and that needs to be talked about and shown a little bit more. And uh, just, I think it would draw some more interest into it.
1: Mm.
2: Yeah. Cause there's, there's a lot of people out there like that, which is such a shame.
3: No. Oh, yeah. It's, mm.
2: it's
1: bad. <laughs>
2: yeah so you haven't been in the industry for that long
3: about uh, going on three years i think
2: yeah yeah so So where, from what you've seen in the last three years and what you know about what's happened over the past you know few decades of, of change where do you see us going in the future
3: I mean like
2: some people say that you know oh surveyors aren't going to be necessary anymore
3: no I don't I don't agree with that at all um it's just like when I was in a when I was at at University of Kentucky well I don't want to throw them under the bus like that
1: but (laughs) when I was in
3: college (laughs) when I was in college working working on my civil engineering degree um I would talk to professors about surveying and ask questions and they're like, why are you, why are you asking about this? You know, this is a profession that's not, that's, it's below you. You're a civil, you're going to be a civil engineer. You don't need to, you don't need to look at this. And I'm like, no, I, I'm going to look at this. This is what I'm interested in doing. Mm. And the more and more I thought about it, the more and more I'm like, you don't understand, or if you do, you're not showing it how much you need surveyors to be a civil engineer. I mean, we touch everything under the sun. And I don't care whether you're an architect, you're a civil engineer, you're an electrical engineer working for a power company, you always need a surveyor to yeah. be there to show you either property lines, lay out a building, get your your eyes built done, figure out, you know, analysis on buildings from,
1: mm-hmm.
3: you know, like I do with scanners and things like that to to just your old boundary survey and, and property layout and division and things like that you're not going to be able to just oh they're not going to be needed in the future there's we have too many too many hands all over the the world and the the as, different aspects of of real life to say surveying is not going to be needed anymore it's a, it's not a dying profession by any means it's it's mm. definitely growing and it's growing by leaps and bounds with the new technology that's coming out and things like that i mean it is it's it's growing so fast to me to look at it's growing so fast that we are outgrowing the number of people we have working and and that is something that you know is a push that i see and you know i've talked about it i feel like a whole bunch already <laughs> but <it's, laughs> It's definitely something, you know, I see that push to come, but I'm also looking at the back end and seeing everything that people are coming out with, you know, you know, Trimble just spit out a new mobile mapping machine. Well, that's great. You can have your mobile mapping machine, but you still need a surveyor to go out there and set all the control for it. Yeah. You still got to have somebody licensed to be able to set that and uh, to have that to run. So Mm -hmm. I think, I think this is probably the oldest profession Mm. one of the oldest professions in the world Mm -hmm. and it'll probably be one of the last professions to ever leave the world I mean it's I don't think it's I mean I, I like you said I've heard people say that and I've heard that be brought up but I don't think it's going anywhere I don't think anybody has anything to worry about with that and I think the best thing to do is to to grab a seat and hang on and soak up all you can and and learn it and be able to pass it on to the next guy because it's going to be going on even after you're gone
2: yeah yeah I, I agree and you talk about placing the control for the mobile mapping and you know you need control for the scanning and you need control for everything you know for for most things that are that are being done your your drones and all, all this kind of stuff and that's that's part of it that people don't they think you just you know put that scanner on or fly that drone and you've got everything you need and it's not the case, is it? (laughs) It's
3: very rare that I do an outdoor scan without ever getting a GPS out before I get the scanner out.
1: Mm. I mean,
3: it's always, and if it's not getting it out before it's getting it out during and running control on targets I've already put on the ground. So I can tie it down to real coordinates because without that, you've just got a scan that's sitting out there in space and you can Mm. make measurements off of it. And a lot of people, you know, do that and they use that for different different things and architectural building and looking at pipes to see if they can fit things in different places. But like with all the bridges and stuff we did, you know, all the scanning I did on those, you need those tied down to real world because if something, if,
1: exactly. if yeah. I missed
3: something on my Friday after I'd worked, you know, 60 hours that week, well, we've got the scan. We can pull it in the office. We don't want to have to do that, but we've got it. It's on coordinates. It's tied down. It's nice and clean and yeah. we've got it. And and that's a huge thing. And I think we're going to start seeing a lot more of that. Um, you're going to have a lot more scanning aspects and and using those um, in the future to, to really model and build and survey off of. Because if you've got mm-hmm. good tight control and your scans are good, then you know you're getting just about the same accuracy as you would be out there with a, a GPS rod or a total station rod taking yep. shots down the curb of the road.
2: Yeah. It's just knowing what to do with those little points in that file.
3: <laughs> it's all about the it's all about the learning. It's a uh, like uh, I listened to I was listening to you and uh, Tim Burt's talk today. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, and like he said, you know, it's that has been my goal since I started here is to never stop learning and I think if you if you stop you're you're done like he said you know you're you're dead in the water Mm. and we've got to we've got to keep learning and that's the the big thing so the next thing coming is the the scanners and the the drones and the lidar and all this fun stuff and it's going to be figuring out how to use it and compile it in a way that's usable for everybody to make it make it workable for all industries
2: Mm. so true So who's had the biggest impact on your career so far?
3: Oh, I'd have to say I've got two guys and they're, they're actually my two bosses I work with just about every Mm -hmm. day, which is, you know, Ben Shinaberry And then uh, the other guy is, uh, his name's Kelly Carr. He's a Mm -hmm. registered land surveyor here in Kentucky as well. Um, I've known Kelly forever and uh, I, I, you know, I kind of owe my career to, to him because okay. after i had that first class you know i got the the classroom experience of surveying um but i didn't really know what they did on a day-to-day basis and uh i called you know i called kelly up one day and i said hey i know you do this do you have time to, to take me on a job with you so i can see what's going on what's what's really being done he said yeah
1: mm.
3: he said i'd love to have somebody come carry a pin bag for me all day come on <laughs> <laughs> I got to go out and hike around in the woods with Kelly all day and play with some GPS equipment that I hadn't seen and uh, never, never laid hands on a, on a GPS or, or got to use one in, in school. You know, they're so Mm -hmm. expensive. A lot of the universities around don't, don't have them. So
1: we just use
3: the standard old. No. Yeah. There's a, we're actually getting ready to donate a set to uh, another university here in Kentucky and uh, to help them. So their students can get some hands on experience with, With GPS units, when I when I graduated from UK, we had some old Nikon. I can't remember the the number on it. It had an EDM, and I mean, you know, you could you Mm. could plug your coordinates in your data collector and turn all your angles and do all that, but we didn't have we got to learn about some of the theory behind GPS and some of the things that it's used for, but we, we never got to lay hands on one to really use it. So when Kelly got me out there, that was my first experience Gosh. getting to see that and use it. And uh, I just, I fell in love with it. And, you know, he, he's, he sits in the office right next to me in Frankfurt and it seems like every other day, you know, we're either going over something or or I'm asking questions about the job I just got finished with or the job I'm getting ready to start. And we're, hammering out details and you know he's just he's teaching me all the time and uh, awesome. i just sit back and soak it up as much as yeah. i can <laughs> yeah it's
2: i think it's it's really good to have those kind of people with you um, oh
3: yeah i mean especially and, in the
2: start of your career as as well um it can sometimes it can make or break i, career, I think right? it's
3: yeah. a it's a definite mm-hmm. it's a definite game changer and i think some of these. Uh, I mean, even in the engineering side of things, I don't have, I've got friends who are surveyors and are in the surveying world, but the guys I went to school with, you know, I've got one buddy who's found a company that's kind of like QK4 where I work and they are very hands-on with him and willing to to give him tasks to do and know that he might have trouble and he might struggle with it, but it's a learning experience for him to really get mm-hmm. hands-on and learn it. And then I have another friend Who's been through about, I don't know, I think he's getting ready to switch to his seventh, oh, seventh engineering firm because wow. he just hasn't found that none of none of the ones that he's worked for have really given him that, you know, here's here's your learning experience. Here's here's your project to your baby to take out and
1: ask mm-hmm. questions
3: and learn on. He's always been the, you know, the guy who gets the low end of the pole and gets stuck on night shift out walking behind a asphalt paver, watching them lay asphalt for six miles or seven miles and and he just he he's having a rough time with it. I keep telling him, come on, I'll hook you up. We got a job for you. So no, no, no. So I'll get him roped into it one day.
2: Oh, it's such a shame. Yeah. I know. It just it does amaze me these companies that um just use their employees in that way to a point that they move on.
3: It's terrible. I mean, it's
2: not good company business. Like,
3: no, not at all. And it, it, it looks bad. I mean, to me, it looks bad on them because then, you know, I've got friends who've worked for them and they come back and tell me what's going on and what's happening. And I'm like, man, I am lucky. I have mm. I found the place to be. They treat me great. And uh, I can't thank them enough for, for keeping me on and letting me learn and, and play with all the fun equipment I get. And just listening to them talk, I'm like, I'm so happy I don't have to job hunt. Like, I couldn't think yeah. of anything worse than have to look around for a job all day and worry about paycheck to paycheck to figure out where I'm going next.
2: Yeah. Gosh, it's such a, it's such a shame for those guys. Mm-hmm. All right. So in the in the three years that you've been there, what do you reckon is the best advice that you've been given regarding survey? Mm-hmm.
3: Coming out with the tough ones. Um, <laughs> I don't. I mean, odd hitting. <laughs> yeah, it's that's a that's a really loaded question because I have been given so much advice in the past three years that it's hard to to know. I mean, it's hard to pick one specific thing that is just you know been more outstanding.
2: What, okay, what would be the thing that you would pass on to somebody else coming in?
3: It would probably be, um, you know, if you can, if you can sit back and watch and learn, or if you're not the type that can sit back and watch and learn, if you can just ask questions, Mm
1: -hmm. and
3: don't feel, I mean, don't feel stupid. Mm-hmm. anything you ask is not a stupid question because it's either going to do one of two things. It's going to teach you something new or the person you're asking, it's going to make them freshen up on it and be like, you know what? I haven't thought about that in a while. Let me, let me do some research and I'll get back to you with the answer. Cause I know it. I just haven't, I haven't done that. And I think that's mm-hmm. the, the biggest thing is, you know, I'm lucky enough to be at a place and I've been told, you know, to ask, you know, ask questions, ask all the questions you can ask, because that's going to be, you know, I would rather you ask questions now than go out on a job site Mm. and screw something up that's going to cost us later on, you know, just go ahead and ask the question. And the first, the first year, it was kind of hard. And then, you know, I finally came out of my shell a little bit and understood, you know, I'm not going to make it. And I I think it's true for everything. I, you know, I think it's a, a, a life lesson. Just don't be afraid to ask questions you know everybody tells you oh there's no stupid question well there might be a stupid question but you shouldn't feel stupid for asking it because somebody else is thinking the same thing (laughs) (laughs) someone else is thinking the the
2: same thing and you might have a little chuckle about it but it does bring up you know if more than one person's thinking about that then it's definitely a question that does need to be asked of course yeah yeah yeah, exactly
3: (laughs) and I I think that's been the the biggest that's probably the best advice I've been I've been given and you know it's a hard it's a hard bullet to bite when it first comes out, but it is, mm. you know, it is very true. You know, if you, if you can't ask the questions and you don't feel comfortable asking the questions, you need to figure out what you can do to, to make that happen because that's where you're going to learn. And that's where you're going to get the help you need to, to succeed and move on and move up in, yeah, in this sure. profession.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So true. So true. Um, okay. So what's, where is the most unusual place that you've been working? What's the most unusual oh. place you've had to work on?
3: <laughs> um, well, I had an interview with Elaine Ball a while back on Instagram, and I uh, she brought up surveying in, in negative 30-degree weather. And uh, it had been a while since I'd done that, but I actually went back to the same, the same place and did another scan job uh-huh. uh, last week. Um, that one's you know that one doesn't seem like it's that wild it's you know just down the road but you don't normally see freezers larger than a building that are you know negative 30 degrees fahrenheit negative yeah. 35 degrees fahrenheit almost to the point where fahrenheit and celsius are are matching they're so cold
1: Gosh. um
3: that plate that's that's been a wild one um and then I've gotten to. I've been lucky with the scanning part of my job. I get to travel some, so mm.
1: um,
3: I get to see some places that I haven't seen before. I've been to out in the Mojave Desert in California, uh, scanning a couple um, small grocery stores that are looking at having uh, redesigning the entire store, and they want to have a floor plan that they can pick up and move, you know, aspects okay. of what they've got, so they can rearrange it and look at it. I've done that, and uh, that's a
2: long way away from you.
3: Yeah, well, it's uh it's a one of those one of those jobs. I can't talk about the client specifically, but it was a very yeah. well paying client that needed us yeah. out there. So it was one of those <laughs> one of those deals. Um, it was, you know, I wasn't saying no to it. And they said, Hey, you want to go? <laughs> no, yeah, I, oh,
2: yeah, I wouldn't either.
1: <laughs>
3: yeah, I, yeah, free plane ride, free hotel room. All I got to do is work for twelve hours a day. Yeah, let's do it. I'm all about it but no, that one's been cool. And then, um, the other cool thing about, uh, my company is, is there's always, you know, they are, they're, they're so encouraging and they want us to learn and, um, they're all about helping each other out. So uh, a few, few weeks ago, I actually got to go down to Mississippi with a a different part. We weren't doing, you know, day to day surveying with our Mm -hmm. equipment and getting it out and running it, but we were doing, um, road inventories for a Native American reservation oh, okay. I to help, help, write, help write them um, some grants and things like that to, to help them out and get get money to fund redoing their roads. And uh, I think that was really cool. You know, that's a, I've been to Mississippi before, but, you know, that's this area just like Kentucky that the job has taken me that I would have never been to or seen or thought to go to on my own. Yeah, And it's really cool just to get out and see these small little towns and small little places that you've never been or never worked or never looked at before and uh, get to go out and work and, you know, stay in the hotel. And at night, you can go out and explore and check things mm. out and see what's going on.
1: Mm.
2: So when you it's, do uh, these the, the road analysis stuff, are you, are you actually picking up information or you have, what do you have to do took, for them?
3: we took equipment with us but most of what we did out there was photo based and okay um getting out with you know just a wheel and wheeling off bridge distances and
1: mm-hmm. and
3: inspecting you know just kind of visually inspecting to grade a bridge on you know or a roadway on how it was how the surface was if it was really badly deteriorated
1: yeah, and things right. like
3: that so not a whole lot of no, not a whole lot of hard shots or scans or anything like yeah. that, but just a uh, just a visual inspection of things.
2: Mm. Interesting. It's amazing where your job can take you, isn't it? Oh, it's it's yeah. unbelievable. It's uh yeah.
3: it's one of those. Like I said earlier, it's one of those professions you don't know what you're going to be doing from <laughs> from day to day. So you just you know grab a grab a seat and hang on. And you yeah. See where you end up.
2: I know. I know. Look at me, twenty six years later, and I'm starting a surveying academy who would have thought
3: <laughs> who would have thought it right yeah right but I mean that's what we need you've you've been the you've had the experience and now it's your turn to, to get out there and teach the next generation on how to do mm,
2: things yep <clears throat> yep all right let's go to your leather making your creative oh, side Oh,
3: my creative side
2: <laughs> tell me about that because I've seen you, I've seen some. You know, you've put some of the stuff up that you've made, and it looks pretty cool.
3: Yeah, I've got, I've got some stuff for sale. I'm actually sitting at my little bench, so you know, oh, nice. little passport holders and things like that. Yeah. I just. Not only do I like being outside, I like working with my hands. So, mm-hmm. um, and my big thing was, I wanted a knife sheath for. I, I carry a Leatherman with me every day at work, and it's come in more handy than. I can tell you in the field, something coming on a loose on a bipod leg, being able to tighten everything up. Mm-hmm. And I hated the little pouch that it came with. So I started trying to figure out how to make one like this.
1: Where oh, it kind okay. of sits
3: sideways on your belt. I don't know.
1: Yep.
3: People are going to be listening to this. So i try not to do too many visuals, but <laughs> um, so I, I, I'd seen them around and I looked online and, and prices, you know, were just way too high. So I was like, I'm going to figure out how to, how to make this and and go from there and, started working on it and you know, I was like, I really thoroughly enjoy doing this and mm. figuring it out. So, you know, I should have just bought the, the sheath. It would have saved me a lot of money up front, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty deep into it now. I'm, <laughs> I've got a, I've got a good little desk set up here to, to work on. And, you know, about four rolls of leather laying over here on the floor, ready to make some projects and, and things like that. And, um, I started selling stuff, not too long ago on Instagram and Facebook, mm-hmm. um, mainly just to help fund the habit. Yeah. <laughs> leather's leather's not cheap. It's so, not yeah. No. <laughs>
1: it's
3: it's not a cheap one to have, but it's a fun one. So uh, I get I get people that message me every now and then ask me to make something that I've never made or or look mm-hmm. at something and see if I can fix it. And I'm like, yeah, I'll I'll take a look nice at whatever challenge. you got or whatever you want. And I'm not gonna mm-hmm. make any promises, but we'll see what we can do for you. Yeah, but it's a it's a fun way to decompress and just relax, especially after days like today where I've been on my feet, you know, since eight a.m. and mm-hmm. running the hillsides and out looking for property corners. I can come in and sit down and take a load off for a little while and put my yeah. brain to use in a different way.
2: Yeah, so most of your days like a twelve hour day, or
3: no, we have when we're out of town. I mean. It just depends on the time of the year and the conditions and the weather yeah, okay. and stuff like that. We'll work, you know, day in day out, just trying to get home. Um, but when we're home, it's it's normally pretty consistent, you know, eight, nine, ten hour a day. Yeah. Um, if it starts getting past that, it, it's kind of like, all right, we need to figure something out. We're moving moving too slow. We got to get this going,
1: mm-hmm. and
3: and going from there. Um. But no, it's it's not too bad at all. You know, it's a it's a doable job. There's There's times where it's kind of trying because you don't know what's going to happen and what you're going to run into when you get out on a field. A lot of places look a whole lot different on aerial photo (laughs) than they do when you're actually standing in the woods. Really? uh, No, not a lot. Who
1: would have thought that?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We made the mistake a while back. Uh, We had a 900 acre farm that we were setting panels on to fly with a plane for LIDAR Mm -hmm. to get aerial LIDAR on it. And, uh, I've been lucky enough, as new as I am a- at QK4 and 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 the surveying uh, profession in general, um, I've been lucky enough to have some guys come in underneath me that I can you know talk to and train and help and work with, mm. and uh, you know that makes me feel really good that I've got you know my my mentors feel good enough about my work ethic and my workflow that they're putting people with me to teach and to help learn and things like yeah, that. So that's so good learning experience for me and this other gentleman his name is luke as well we were luke squared was our (laughs) our team name and we got sent on jobs we uh we decided to go out there and set these panels and i think it was eight eight or nine six or eight panels we had to set and you know we parked and punched our our pin in the ground for our base and took off over the hillside and very quickly learned that uh we should have found some old topo maps or something of the place because it was straight up and straight down.
1: on the hills
3: I mean it was just they laugh at me at the office because they'll ask me how steep something is and I say it's it's not a fall but it's a it's a controlled fall you just got to kind of stumble your way down it you know hope you don't hope you don't actually fall and uh, but we got down to the bottom of this this valley where this creek was at that we were looking at and uh, started setting points and found a (laughs) found a trail that somebody had cut through the woods for an a ATV or a side-by-side to, to ride. And yeah. we're like, oh, this looks like it goes back to the the truck. We'll just follow it out. Well, oh, you no. know, 10 miles later, we're still not <laughs> back at the truck. And we've got our data collector. And we can see where the truck's at. But it seems like you know we just keep walking this nice little circle, spiraling <laughs> into it. <laughs> And uh, we got done that day and had to go back out the next day. And I got back to the office and and called Kelly and said, hey, I said, you at home? He said, yeah. I said, I hate to bother you. You know, it was like nine o'clock at night by the time we got out of there. And I was like, I hate to bother you this late, but I'm going to lose service in the morning. So as soon as you get to the office in the morning, I need you to send me some aerial imagery for where I'm at because we got lost and we've been out there for. 14 hours and we've hiked 12 and a half miles and we don't know oh, which way's up gosh. and which way's down <laughs> there's no cell phone signal so you can't call anybody or get your gps out to you know get figured out on what's what so that was a that was a feat and a now I, I it it takes a lot to get me out of the office without a background image on my dad because I, <laughs> I can get some type of bearing for myself. <laughs> if I'm doing a little subdivision or, or uh, working in a little subdivision or on a little bitty farm or something where I can keep an eye on the road'm I'm, I'm good and mm-hmm. uh, i got as long as I've got service I've got my compass on my watch that'll tell me north because you know i love I love my equipment I love my my data collector and everything like that but sometimes I, I think it's north gets a little wonky on when it's trying to tell you the directions <laughs> versus taking a shot on a point and i'm like I'll stick with the tried and true and the other guy told me he was going to buy me a compass for for Christmas and I I said I don't think I need one I think you need one you're supposed to be the navigator that day I was I was the one punching pins and and setting panels you were the one telling me where to go (laughs) (laughs)
2: blaming each other for it (laughs) yeah
3: (laughs) and I I will do that forever I mean it it was a good time Mm. it's one of those things uh I heard, uh, I've heard heard somebody say, you know, there's like different levels of fun, like riding a roller coaster is the lowest level of fun you can have because it's fun for the immediate moment.
1: Mm-hmm. And
3: like the highest level of fun you can have absolutely sucks when it's happening. But when you're looking back on it, you're like, man, you know what? That was terrible, but it was a great time. yeah And yeah, that's me and him talk about that all the time. I'll call him yeah. up and he'll be like, yeah, you know, you want to go hike another 12 miles in the woods? And, you know, we just start <laughs> chatting about it again. And I'm like, Luke, dude. I'm trying to forget this, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't want to remember this one.
2: Never, never. Yeah. No. <laughs> and it's now recorded for history, <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's out there for everybody to hear and to laugh yep. at and enjoy it with me.
2: But that not that the funniest thing? Like the, the things like that that happened at the time, you're just going, Oh my god, how bad could this day get? Or you know, how could this be happening? And then, yeah, you look back on it and and it gives you a good old chuckle, and you learn from it, don't you? So it's oh yeah another uh, one of those were, learning experiences. So
3: yeah, and we were laughing all the way through because I kept looking at him, and I'm like, you know, we're sitting here complaining about not having a background map on our data collector, and there was guys out here 200 years ago stretching yeah. it through the woods with a chain and a rod <laughs> and, and and a tape and nothing else, you know. And they had they had absolutely no idea. They hoped their compass <laughs> didn't fall and break so they could get home. <laughs> you know, I mean. I was like, "We're a bunch of wusses when we need so get this out."
2: <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> so we got to stop complaining to get back to the truck.
2: <laughs> Toughen up.
3: <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
2: Oh dear. Um, what motivates you?
3: Um, doing good work and not letting people down. You know, I feel mm-hmm. like that's my my big thing. Is I don't. I hate coming back into the office and hearing you know I missed something or oh I should have picked this up so you know I'll I'll sit on a job site and and work all day especially on like a big topo job I'll try to have a checklist going in my head or even before I start you know I start filling out my field book in the morning I'll grab a pad of paper and start writing down everything I need to pick up while I'm out there and because I just hate I hate going back into the office and and you know, turning something in. And then, you know, two days later, I get a phone call from somebody else processing my work because they're in the office that day for some reason. And they're like, Hey, where's uh, this invert on this manhole or where's this, this fire hydrant at it? I can see it on the aerial, but you didn't pick it up. Is it still there? Is this an old image, you know,
1: mm-hmm. and trying to
3: answer all those questions. So,
1: mm-hmm. you
3: know, and, in, and the other aspect of it is, is, you know, I want to do the best job I can do because, this is people's property. This is people's land. These are people's, uh, you know, some of the jobs we're on. This is their job. This is, you know, I'm setting control on a job and, and staking out building corners because they've got to build this right. And if I screw it up, it's it's coming back on me. So, you know, my motivation is really pushing myself to to be the best I can and do the best I can and mm. and uh, remind myself that you know I'm human, so I'm allowed to have an error every now and then, but it's not acceptable all the time. And it mm-hmm. needs to be, you know, really worked out and and thought about. And that's something I try to pass on to the guys I help train and teach. I'm like, you know, you can come out here and do this job and you can do it fast and you can do it, you know, really fast and be done with it and be home by five o'clock. But then tomorrow you're going to be back out here at this job, picking up all the stuff you missed or forgot, or were just too lazy to go set the robot up one more time to mm. get the shot and, you know, I think that's a a big thing trying to just talk to people. You know, some people, they really have the work ethic and some people, they really don't. And it's one of those things that I I like to try to instill in somebody when I'm working with them is, you know, you know, it's it's 30 minutes to the house. Or it's 30 minutes to the house, 30 minutes back out here, two more hours on this job before we can go back to the house. So I'm like, we can stay here for another 30 minutes and make it a two hour ordeal, or we can go home now and make it a six hour ordeal yeah. the next day. Yeah.
2: That's something I always um, said to my students was that, you know, when you're doing a job to make sure that if you're traveling an hour, an hour and a half to get to a job and you know you you you've got the wrong equipment or your batteries aren't charged. Or you go out there and you don't pick everything up that you're supposed to, then, well, that's an extra three hours of travel that you're going to have to do when you could just make sure that you do the job right the first time and pick up everything that's there. Like you said, you know, a fence that's close to the boundary or whatever, if you were doing that, yeah, just pick it up. Just you know, pick this, it up. I mean it doesn't a structure take you're walking it, that way it, anyways
3: yeah. just take the mm-hmm. shot yeah. it takes three seconds a shot just walk down through there and stick the rod down and take your shot mm-hmm. and uh I, I think I think between that and keeping everything you know clean and and keeping your equipment clean is the other big thing is if mm-hmm. your equipment's clean you're good to go you know you're not laying your stuff down in the dirt you know you're 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 great you know that's that's part of being the efficient and.
1: If your equipment's
3: down, you're down. If you're not working, yep. you're not you're not helping anybody. You're not making the company any money, which is in turn really not making you any money in the long run because it's diminishing your value. So, you know, being the best so you true. can, making sure when you get back in the office at the end of the day, you take the time to put everything mm. on the charger and put it where it goes and making sure your rods are leveled and clean and, and ready to go for the next day.
2: Mm. Um, with your instruments and stuff, do you have – um, legislation or, or anything like that where they have to be calibrated every year or all that sort of thing or is
1: we
3: that I know of I don't think there is a state law that requires us to have them calibrated but we we keep our stuff you know clean and calibrated and checked um, we actually our guys in the Louisville office uh, we've got a a dealer there who's really close to our office. So on a rainy day or something, or every two weeks, they'll take their rods over there and have them checked and leveled. Mm-hmm. You know, those guys are really nice. We're in there. We were buying paint and flagging stuff and equipment yeah. from them all the time. So we bring stuff in, they'll check it for us and make sure it's good to go. And where we were at in Frankfurt, it was, you know, <clears throat> a 30 minute drive either to Louisville or to Lexington to have rods checked. And it was just out of the way. So we ended up buying a little pole pegger, Put in the office so we can keep our stuff up, and mm. that's the the first thing I teach the new guy when he when he comes in. We just we just got a new guy working for us. He's he just graduated high school, so he came in the other day and it was raining on his first day, so he got a lesson oh, no.
1: and, and
3: pegging poles. So we uh, he went through all the rods in my truck and the and uh, my coworker Ethan's truck and and made sure everything was good and. You know, I've told him, you know, like you get here in the morning and if I'm sitting at the computer working on something and you want to sit over my shoulder and, and look at it, that's fine. You're more than welcome to. You can look, ask all the questions. But mm-hmm. if you're not asking questions, I'm going to tell you to go do something. And 90% yeah. of what I'm going to tell you to do is go get those rods out and get them in here and check <laughs> them and make sure they're they're level. So, so he'll you will know, learn how to ask
2: questions real quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
3: exactly. Exactly. He's uh, <laughs> no, he, he's really good and he, he's picking everything up fast. But I, I think that's a another part of the learning is you know you've got this equipment you've got to know how to take care of it it. you don't don't lay it down in the dirt don't don't kick it don't throw it around don't beat it up Mm. take care of it like Mm. a little baby
2: yeah i um i always kind of (gasps) go every time i see an instrument set up and the boxes on the ground open
3: yeah yeah we had a when i first (laughs) when i first started we had a guy who uh he told me I, I, you know, I I didn't know anything. I was just getting started. So I got out of the truck and I knew what we were doing on the site and what needed to be out of the truck and what we were going to use. So I got, I got stuff out and I set it out and he was like, okay. And he's like, let's walk over here and see if we can find a control point. I was like, okay. So we went and found the control point. And he's like, all right, can you set the instrument up over top of it? I was like, Oh yeah. So I, you know, set everything up and I just about got done. He goes, you're fired. "What?
1: What?
3: I'm fired. He's like, yeah, you're fired. I was like, all right, Tim, what did I do? He's like, box is open. I was like, box is open. I was like, I, I haven't even got the instrument on the tripod. He's like, I don't care. You get it out and close the box. And then you put the instrument on the tripod. <laughs> do not leave my instrument box open. All right. I got it. Oh,
2: so, good. You
3: know, At least I'm not the only one. <laughs> no, no, you're not the only one. But I'm the same way now. You know, I'm not, I'm not i'm not tim i'm not big enough to tell somebody they're fired i i, I don't like to joke joke that hard with a new guy and freak him <laughs> out that much but you know i'll give him a hard time You're like you get the instrument out as soon as you get it out and shut the box up because
1: mm.
3: you know that's his home you don't want your home dusty and dirty and and filled with no. mud and stuff so don't no. do it to him either
2: Yeah. No. yeah i walked past a job a few weeks ago and there was a guy surveying on his own and he had the instrument set up and the box was sitting underneath open and he was away from it with the prism and everything. And I walked past and I'm going, oh, do I say anything? No, it's not my place. <laughs>
3: do I just go ahead and pick it up and do close I should, it do I close him it? and <laughs> hope he doesn't say anything to me? <laughs> no, what kills me is being on the, uh, being on social media, either on Facebook or Instagram. And you see these pictures that guys have set a tripod up with an instrument on asphalt and they put like one cone out and it's on a street corner hanging out in the road. And I'm like, I would lose it. Oh, I mean, no. it's not even my stuff and it just makes me cringe looking at it. I'm like, <laughs> Oh, I bet you lost your job today when you got back to the office. Cause that's going to be a hard one to explain to the boss. of why the robot got ran over.
2: Yeah. We, um, I had a, we, we have, we, we oh, have road, we have road. Um, like if you're working on a road, um you know you're supposed to have signs out at certain distances um your witches' hats all around or safety cones as they call them now sorry um (laughs) you know (laughs) um everything strategically placed for safety we're massive over here for safety
3: yeah yeah we're we're pretty big on it too we've actually we've got a guy who works at our company that's his sole job is safety and Mm -hmm. we you know we get brush up training about once a year on on stuff and, and what nice. we need to be doing and, and distances for our signs and flaggers. And, yeah. uh, you know, we had a, it, it's just, it shocks me at how interstate work is our, is my least favorite part of the job is getting mm-hmm. out on, on a highway and working. And one of the main roads that runs through Kentucky is I-75 and the speed limit on it is 75 miles an hour or 70 miles an hour, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, 70 miles an hour, and people run it about 90, and if you put orange cones up, and a sign, you know, that says surveyor ahead, and they don't physically see you on the side of the road, they don't slow down, they don't care, they don't, they just don't care,
1: and we had a,
3: we had a guy about, uh, it was probably a year 2020 loses me so it was probably two years ago it was the end of 2019 we were working in southern Kentucky on I-75 and this guy pulls over on the side of the road and just starts yelling profanities at us and then drives off and me and the my coworker we kind of look at each other I was like what was that dude's deal he's like I don't know and then I grabbed the instrument and turned it for my back sight and looked at my data collector and my backsite's gone. Oh no. Jeremy said, Your backsite's gone. I said, it's gone. I said, I don't know where it's at. I looked up and there it comes getting run over and rolling down the road. And I've got the chunk of prism that's left out of it laying <laughs> on my desk at the <laughs> office. And I mean it it wasn't set up like on the road. It was, you mm-hmm. know, ten feet off the shoulder. And old boy drove off the road and ran over it
1: and, and drove know. back
3: on and then stopped to yell at us. And I'm like, it just it blows my mind and that's my hmm. you know that just it just eats me up it's like
1: mm. don't
3: text and drive and slow down when you see the orange cones i told my girlfriend when we first started dating we were going somewhere and we were coming up to a construction area and i was like you gotta slow down i said this is my biggest my biggest pet peeve is speeding through and i don't care if they're out there working or not the speed limit's 55 you know slow down to 55 yeah. because that could be me out there. And Mm -hmm. if I get hit and not come home, it's because somebody was doing the same thing we're doing right now. And, you know, that's the, the big issue. One of the big issues with the job is is road work and it's not my favorite part, but it's a, it's a very big part of the job. So.
2: Yeah. The company that I just, just was working for before does a lot of the infrastructure and road work kind of stuff. So, and, and rail as well. So, uh major safety things that have to be done to work on those jobs
3: oh i'm sure those railways Mm. are crazy yeah does does australia have a very i mean do y'all have a pretty big rail system in sydney and stuff
2: yeah yeah and they're doing lots of um upgrades and all that sort of stuff as well um and putting in some new lines and stuff like that and um most of the time when they're uh replacing track or anything like that um they basically have set times during the year where they'll actually do shutdowns. And we had to make sure that we had the people rotating, doing, you know, their 10-hour shifts or whatever it was um, to get all the work done to make sure that it was all done because the trains are shut down, everything's done safely. You've got to have certain, um, you know, tickets to be able to actually step onto. The railway corridor and all that sort of stuff as well. So, yeah, it's pretty full yeah. on. Mm.
3: That's, I mean, that's sometimes it's that's what it takes, and especially if it means getting home yeah. safe. That's what you got to do.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We um, in Australia, well, definitely in New South Wales, we have a very, um, very, very low like safety issues when it comes to all that sort of stuff.
3: Mm. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome.
2: Yeah. I never Sometimes it can be a pain.
3: There,
2: but... Oh, yeah. it can be a pain. Yeah.
3: I mean, it can be a pain, but when you really sit back and think about it, it's the difference between, you know, getting to come home at night and, and
2: mm-hmm. being gone
3: forever. And it's, it's one of those things you're thankful to have and you gripe about it. Everybody gripes about it. I gripe <laughs> about it, but I still do it. <laughs> it takes the extra, ex, the extra 15 minutes to get the signs out of the back of the truck and get them set up. You know, I'm complaining the whole time, but I'm still doing
2: it. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know. As you said, you know, you've got a family or people that love ones to come home to. So, no yeah, job exactly. is worth your life. That's for sure. Yeah,
3: exactly. Mm-hmm.
2: All right. Tell me about um, your position as the state rep.
3: Oh, uh, so I kind of, I kind of lucked into this one. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I got, I got an email from a friend or a, a message on Instagram from a friend who told me I should come hang out on the uh, the national YSN hangout uh back in the end of 2020 and they were all getting together and hanging out and playing a game on, on zoom. And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll come check it out. And then like two days later, I get this text going, Hey, uh, you want to, you want to be the state coordinator for the state of Kentucky? And I was like,
1: oh, no, <laughs> what do I do?
3: Like, where do I sign up? Like, I'm sure. I don't, I don't know what's going on. And then I started <laughs> diving deep into it. And I was like, this is awesome. So, um, what we've got going on is I'm the I'm the state the state coordinator and then uh, Ethan Carr is my assistant state coordinator and he's kind of helped me out and mm-hmm. we're getting this thing off the ground um, in Kentucky and uh, it's really hard for us to get young surveyors into a young surveyors network when we don't have very many young surveyors. Um, there is no school in the state of Kentucky. That offers a four-year survey program, so you know that's one of our wow, requirements on the on the uh, yeah. the state legislative side of it. You know, it's a four-year survey degree from an ABTE accredited school or a civil engineering degree, and uh, you know, Ethan went out of state to out of state to get his degree mm-hmm. in surveying, mm-hmm. so he could come back and get his license, and I went the civil engineering route, so we're working on getting into these high schools and teaching these kids about surveying at a younger age. And our, our goal is to get guys that are younger in the profession right now in our state together. So we can build a network to have good communication mm-hmm. and to, to build, you know, a better profession and a better, um, for a lack of better words, a, a better network yeah. of of our guys, our age, because, you know, there's, there's a big age gap and the people getting out of college right now and getting in the profession and the guys getting ready to retire. And, and the, av- you know, like I said earlier, the average age is yeah. close to 60. So you build that network with younger guys that, you know, maybe you don't feel comfortable in your office asking a question because you think the older guy's going to think you're stupid or you get, you know, by all means you get into a, a, a firm that, you're the guys who are older than you that have been there forever that are running things now. And your managers don't believe in GPS. And they're like, no, we do everything robotic. So you have nobody to talk to and learn from about Mm -hmm. GPS, but you can come to this group and talk to these guys. And the other thing is, is, you know, we're, we're wanting to encourage each other to help build the profession and keep it going. So we're looking at trying to get into high schools and things like that and teach these kids about, about school and their options and, uh, and just go that way. And, and show the need for surveying as a whole and to build, build the community and make it, make it better. So we're doing like group hangouts once a month and, and having online meetups and and Mm -hmm. things like that, just to get to know each other and plan some events. I know uh, NSPS has got, well, Young Surveyors Network, the national level of it just took over the uh, collegiate competitions for NSPS. So, next, this coming March, March of 2022, which is weird to to say, I'm still not used to to that yet, and that's coming up quick. Still getting Um, used to
2: 2021.
3: Right, yeah, I'm still having trouble with that, and, uh, but they're going to be doing, you know, some cool stuff with the college students, like a monument hunt, so they're going to find monuments all over Washington, D.C. I say there, we're going to find monuments all over Washington, D.C. to build a, a scavenger hunt list for these these students mm, to go out okay. and they're going to get points off of you know getting to go out and look for these monuments and take pictures with them and kind of give mm-hmm. them a taste of what we do every day in the field you know I'm not looking for a monument on the side of a building every day but I am looking for you know 100 year old stones that are still set out in the, yeah. in the middle of the forest that haven't been touched yeah so it's you know it's that's how I try to explain it to the next generation sometimes mm. and sometimes the easiest way is to tell them you know it's a it's a big scavenger hunt or it's a big treasure hunt. You get to get out there in the field and find something. You could be somewhere where you think nobody's ever been before and you start looking around you're like, Oh, there's been a surveyor here. Somebody's walked through this area and they put this, this pen or this pipe or this axle or the set the stone up on its end or carved a big X in this tree to mark a a boundary Mm. for somebody. Mm. And it's uh it's just something that I'm, I'm passionate about and, um luckily Ethan's passionate about it too so we're still getting the feel for it and trying to get everything worked out to to get a lot of people interested and and bring them in to have some fun
2: sounds cool sounds very cool okay let's go to some fun questions
3: oh goodness here we go
2: (laughs) if you had a superpower what would it be
3: Ooh, uh I'd like to fly I think flying would be awesome I, I, wouldn't have to most, drive. I used to love driving and now I'll drive, you know, three yeah. hours a day to get to a job site <laughs> and have to drive three hours home. No, I hate it. It's the worst <laughs> thing in the world. I
1: can go out <laughs> like
3: ten miles in a day and be tired, but I am ten times you know worse off if I have to drive <laughs> four hours in a day. It's, I'm I'm ready to crash when I get home.
2: <laughs> um where would someone find you at a party?
3: Oh, wherever the puppy's at. There's always a puppy at the party and I'd be hanging out with the dog. (laughs) (laughs) I've got mine locked in the other room right now. So he's not making a bunch of
1: ruckus.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was in here earlier getting set up and uh, I've, got a cat we had a dog a while ago but i've got a cat as well and he was just all over me and on my desk and sitting on my lap and i'm like mate you can't be in here
3: soon <laughs> <laughs> you gotta go
2: <laughs> i've done only when you're before. trying to
3: do something yeah yeah <laughs> yeah no my dog i'll come in here to sit down and like work on something whether it's working on my laptop or work on a you know a project leather project i've got going on and he'll come in here and get up on the armrest of my chair and he's like hey pet me and I'm like,
1: yeah. <laughs>
2: you've been laying in the
3: couch asleep for the past two hours and didn't want to have anything to do with me. And now I come in here and it's all, hey, what you doing? Pet me.
2: Yep. Yep. I shut my door to the office and he sits out there just scratching on the door wanting to come in. Oh, but yes, yeah, you didn't on want in here 20 minutes ago yeah, and then exactly. I shut the door. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh three words that would describe you.
1: Mm. oh man uh
3: caring outgoing and <laughs> friendly I would, <laughs> I would hope that somebody would choose there's no telling <laughs> depends on who you ask and what day you ask them
2: <laughs> are you organized or messy uh
3: I'm a strong mix of both
2: uh-huh.
3: um if you could see my desk right now, you'd say I'm very messy, but I know where everything's at. So I can't that it's organized. Yeah. Yep. yep. Me
2: too. <laughs> so um, now when
3: it comes to, I'm the total opposite, when it comes to my work truck, I can, my work truck, I, I keep as clean as I can get it.
1: And
3: you know, all my stuff's got a certain spot to go. And yep. poor poor Sean today, went out there and put a, a bundle of pins in the wrong spot and I had to go back out there and show him where to put them because it was driving <laughs> me nuts. I just about pulled over on the side of the road to fix it because I was like, nope, that's not where they go. I can <laughs> hear them rattling. We're moving them. <laughs>
2: <clears throat> no, nah, I think a, yeah, a, an organized truck is is a good thing. I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, it's what the worst is, when
3: somebody borrows it. Oh, and brings oh it back I can imagine. imagine. <laughs> that's, what, that's what it really hurts. It's like, oh, I was out of town for two days on a job and somebody took <laughs> my truck out. They're like, no, no, nobody touched it. Yes, you
2: did. And they should know by now.
3: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly.
2: As my husband always says, I don't mind if you borrow something out of my garage. Just put it back as soon as you finished with it and put it back where you found it.
3: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yep.
2: Although you go into my drawers and just crap (laughs) (laughs) everywhere
3: that's that's the way this table looks right now it's like uh, I'm like I'm gonna work on something later so it'll it'll get cleaned up yeah 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 Yeah,
2: yeah. (laughs) um what makes you smile um
3: I don't know there's a lot of I mean I generally like to think I'm a pretty happy guy uh I'll tell you what really makes me smile, and this is going to sound kind of, kind of like I wrote it in for this, is finding a property corner that is actually where it's supposed to be.
1: Because
3: uh-huh. <laughs> there's more times than none, you know, I'll I'll get a deed, and as soon as I get the deed, and especially in Kentucky, Kentucky's a meets and bounds state. Well, it's half meets and bounds, half public land system. Uh huh. So these old meets and bounds deeds, you'll get them, and it's going to the old ash tree that's 1500 poles from so-and-so's barn and you're like oh, gosh. well we've had an ash beetle so all the ash trees are dead that's not going to be there and you're oh. trying to find every other little <laughs> no. piece of the puzzle to get all this to work together <laughs> and we had one a couple weeks ago um, that the farm had been in the family for uh, 100 plus years
1: mm-hmm.
3: and uh, one of the sons was buying a big chunk of it off the bat and nobody around them had had surveys done in a while, especially off the back. And I'm like, well, I'll go see what I could find. So we had the deeds and two of the calls were set stones and one of them was actually there. And it was, you know, like a hundred year old set stone still sticking up nice. out of the ground. Nice and pretty. Wow. Uh-huh. Um, I was, I was looking for it and the guy <laughs> with me was looking for it and he was looking like out and wasn't paying attention to was right, and tripped right over top of it. And, I mean, hit oh. the ground, he tripped over top of it. He's like, you think that's it? I was like, no, that's definitely it.
2: <laughs> yeah, that would be a nice find. <laughs> yeah, I was like,
3: yeah, and that's what I told him. I said, nice find. I just tripped right over top of it.
2: <laughs> oh, if you didn't have to go to work tomorrow, what would you do? Well, I know it's the weekend, but, like, if you didn't have to go to work at all ever again, what would you do?
3: <laughs> oh um see i'm not a i think this is one of those things that that makes a surveyor a surveyor is i love the job so much i don't want to quit um i think about it all the time and i think about what i've got to do tomorrow if i didn't if i absolutely didn't have to go to work tomorrow uh or the rest of my life i would either be working on leather out in the woods doing something with hunting or fishing and they're taking, taking my boat out and cruising around the water with the the dog and the girlfriend, just enjoying the day.
2: Sounds nice. Sounds nice.
3: I'm I'm ready for winter to get here for work reasons, but I'm not ready for it to get uh here because I'm ready to, I'm ready to stay out on the boat.
2: Uh, Yeah. Well, we're coming into summer now, so it's getting warmer here
3: there you go do y'all have a lot mm. of a lot of change between summer and winter winter and summer
2: there nah.
3: y'all keep nah. yeah are um, y'all most of, your, most of your trees green year-round or do y'all have some leaf fall and yeah. stuff like no, that? no we
2: have some we have you know some trees that that fall and stuff but you know our native trees up don't so, gotcha um,
3: we've got you a know, you know up here we've got some evergreens and things like that that are green year-round but falls our our busy schedule because leaves are off and you get better GPS fix and you can get ah, back in the places you could uh-huh. in the summer. So we get we get pretty busy and start running running hard when the all the leaves hit the ground. That's our yeah, right. our work pickup time.
2: Uh-huh makes sense. Yeah we no we don't have that as much here. So I got you. Mm, I, if you see a puddle in the ground, do you walk around it, jump over it or jump in it?
3: Jump in it every time.
1: Yes,
2: yes,
3: you gotta, you gotta, got to. I mean, you can If you walk over top of it, what are you doing? No, you gotta, you gotta splash in the water. I mean, I
1: guess fun. that's my inner,
3: my inner child in my heart. Yes. You know, I, I say I'm gonna be a kid for the rest of my life because I don't want to grow up, and I'm just not gonna let that
1: happen.
2: <laughs> nice, nice to hear. All right, okay, that's the hard-hitting questions done.
3: There we go. I like it.
2: <laughs> so, you know, those jumping over puddles is one of those hard hitting questions. <laughs> oh
3: yeah.
2: Yeah. All right. We've got yeah, I
3: mean, exactly.
2: Yeah, we've got we got some quick shots. Um and so yes, no, hot, cold. Um, All right. Or, you know, sometimes some people just can't decide. So, you know, <laughs> we'll just take that as well. <laughs> to your coffee.
3: Uh coffee. Cat or dog? Dog.
2: Sunrise or
1: sunset?
2: Ooh. I'm going to go sunrise.
1: Sunrise.
2: <laughs> Summer or winter? Winter. Mm-hmm. Roller coasters? Do you love or hate them? Uh,
3: I used to love them. Um, I'm <laughs> six foot five, so I don't really fit on them anymore now that I'm older. <laughs> I, I rode one a couple of years ago and my knees just
2: banged oh, no. in the back
3: of the cart in front of me the whole time. And I said... I think I'm gonna to have to quit. I think it's I think it's time to call it quits on the roller coasters.
2: Damn.
3: Yeah, I know, right?
2: <laughs> Three items you'd take to a desert island:
3: uh, a knife, a fishing pole,
1: and my dog. Nice.
2: Favorite song or artist?
1: Ooh.
3: I'm not, this is this is one of those, you're not going to get a straight answer out of me. <laughs> um, you're a bit of everything. I, I like a bit of everything, and I'm a big Spotify fan. So when I get on there and uh-huh. I find a song I like, I'll go to that artist. They have like a radio playlist.
1: Yes. And I'll
3: just start listening to a big mix of stuff. So mm-hmm. um, I guess one of the artists I've been listening to here a lot recently would be uh, Tyler Childers or Culture Wall, so they're two okay. like folky, new mm-hmm. folky type bluegrass guys. So that's that's about a good a quick answer <laughs> I can give on that one.
1: We
2: can
3: go down some rabbit holes with music.
2: Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> favorite movie?
3: Um, oddly enough, it's uh, grown up with dad and horses. You know, one of his favorite movies too is a uh, Man from Snowy River
2: oh i love that movie that was one of my favorites when i was little
3: (laughs) yep i i I think dad would sell everything he had right now if somebody told him he could go ride horses through the snow and the the green pastures all on the same day for the rest of his life
2: he'd be Uh...
3: he'd be gone he'd be out
2: (laughs) (laughs) i'd go with him (laughs) yeah
3: (laughs) i would too it'd be awesome (laughs) It's a, a friend... it's a dream goal to make it over there and at least get to do some type of riding while I'm there. So we'll yeah, see what happens.
2: Yeah. I had a friend who um went on one of those rides, um, camp rides that was around, yeah. I think it was around the area that that was filmed actually, That's awesome. where that was filmed and yeah, she absolutely loved it. And it was one of those things of, um, you know, she put out there the people that were going with her couldn't go. So she had spare, you know, Spare tickets to go, and I'm you like, You didn't jump oh, on that? God damn, I couldn't. I couldn't <laughs> you go. I, I know, I, I know. in all my PTO, all my time off, and
3: i would been. To see you guys. I'll be back in two weeks.
2: <laughs> I changed jobs. I had no holiday. I, it, I was just like, Oh my God. This is just my dream. I've been taking
3: time without pay.
2: <laughs> I'll
3: start in two weeks. You don't have to pay me. I'll see you later. <laughs> That'd have been awesome.
2: Yeah, I know. One day, one day. Uh, introvert or extrovert?
3: Um, I feel like I'm a little bit of an introvert, but if you ask my family, they'll tell you I'm an extrovert and uh, everybody at work will tell you I'm an extrovert. I do a really good job of talking to people, um, uh-huh. especially yeah. like in person at conferences and stuff. I can just, I can talk, but I wouldn't say it's my, my favorite thing to do. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, 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 I know that. Is your glass half full or half empty? Uh half full. Yeah. Nice. Uh one thing you'd never do again.
1: Oh. Um.
3: See, I feel like I've talked to somebody about this in the past two days and now I can't <laughs> now I can't think of anything. Um <laughs> probably would not go back in the the field without some type of <laughs> Some type of map to make sure I can get back to where I need to get back to. Yeah, we'll stick yeah. on that that train yeah. because I can't think of anything that's, else that's, off the top of my head.
2: That's not bad. Yeah. If you, had, <laughs> if you had a warning label, what would it be?
3: Um. Oh man, you said we were done with the hard questions.
2: I could do a podcast before. Come on.
3: <laughs> I know. I shouldn't have believed you. I should have just kept on with them.
1: Uh, a <laughs> warning label. Ah, I I,
3: I, I guess keep fed at all times. I, I get a little, I get a little hangry streak in me if I don't have a snack about about twelve <laughs> o'clock. So I always try That's to keep something enough. in my in my vest with me, so I don't <laughs> snap or or bite the bite the guy I'm working with head off. <laughs>
2: Who knows you best?
3: Yeah. Um probably my dad. I'd mm-hmm. have to say my dad. He'd mm-hmm. be the he'd be the go-to guy to get any dirt on me you wanted.
1: Oh, okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Favorite subject in school?
3: Um, math. I I really okay. I I really enjoyed it in school and I enjoy it much more now. Um because I'm actually getting to apply it. You know, going through yeah. school, there's a lot of stuff has I a learned. Purpose. And I'll tell you, I think, you know, that's another area we could we could get people interested in surveying, expect, like geometry and things like that. If you could, mm. people are like, oh, how are you going to use this in the real world? I'm like, here you go. This is how I use it every day. This is what we do. I mean, this isn't just stuff that I sit in the field and calculate triangles all day long. So i tell yeah. you right now, you will use this every day the rest yeah. of your life.
2: Yeah, well, that, that's part of the program that we've been putting together. The mass teachers have actually seen it and gone, oh, we can incorporate that into our area. Yeah, huh, we can. Yeah, <laughs> of course we, you can. No,
1: no kidding. Like,
2: you but, didn't yeah. see this 10 years ago? Yeah, so so it's it's been really good that these other, other areas have seen how it can be implemented into their teaching. Um, oh, yeah for real life so it's that's been a really good thing Um, those are the
3: teachers we need to get out in the field and have them work for a couple days with us and really show Mm. them then they'll know okay yeah this is you know I really do need to teach kids about this yeah this is uh, they would use everything I teach them in my classroom every day
2: Mm. yep for sure what's your favorite childhood memory
3: um my mom's side of the family is from Georgia, so it would be a tie between going down there. My great-grandmother lived in a, uh, a, a I, I'm almost positive they built it, log cabin um, mm-hmm. in, the, in the woods in the North Georgia mountains. So between going down there and hanging out and spending time in the mountains and uh, spending time with uh, my dad's side of the family on our farm, um, hunting as a kid, we used to have big big camps you know deer season would open up and everybody and their brother would be there and we'd have a big breakfast rolled out down the down the shop my grandmother would cook all morning so (laughs) that was always fun getting to hang out and talk to everybody
2: nice tell
3: stories and tell tales you know how it goes (laughs) yeah
2: yeah sounds good favorite food
3: um i'm a big fan of steak Mm. i have to say steak Nice. Today. I don't know. It'll change tomorrow. You can ask me again tomorrow. <laughs> It'll be something different.
2: Our favorite drink.
3: Um, big fan of a mountain, diet Mountain Dew. We'll go with that one.
2: Okay. Uh, Win the lottery or perfect job.
3: Oh, win the lottery. <laughs> if I win the lottery, I could buy my own equipment. I'd have my perfect job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> biggest fear um this, this, we talked about this the other day too at work this is so stupid falling down i hate ah. I hate falling down i mean i can't stand i love heights i'll climb anything you give me a harness yeah. i'll climb all day long i hate falling down and i don't know what it is i'm a big dude i mean i'm six five yeah. and it's a long way to. it's a long way to and
1: fall
3: I, <laughs> yeah my heart stops every time i the day two or three times i caught a log walking through the woods and i could feel yeah. myself go forward i was like here we go it's happening <laughs> and my heart skips a beat and tightens up and I'm like, oh no. i hate this
1: No. Just,
3: i guess it's because i'm out of control and i, I just don't <laughs> like it out of control of my own body i don't know what i'm gonna do when i hit the ground we'll see <laughs>
2: <laughs> favorite sport
3: football mm-hmm. i love love watching some football american football yeah, yeah. Just saying. <laughs> who's, who's your team? Um, So, I'm not a big uh, – I'm not a big uh, major league sports fan. I'm a, I'm a tried and true University of Kentucky fan. So, I like my my alma mater. I watch them just about every Saturday and keep up okay. with them and been watching them since I was a little kid. My granddad used to take me to the games. So, mm-hmm. that was always always fun and exciting to get to go see the stadium and, yeah. and be with the big crowd.
2: The, the um the, the college sport is really massive over there isn't it
3: yeah yeah college yeah. sports are, are huge over here it's a big deal and they're they're making a big a bigger deal out of them right now trying to get college students paid to play and get sponsorships mm. for their likeness and video games and stuff like that so i mean it's okay it's huge and in, in uh UK university Kentucky's, it's a it's a really big school um so mm-hmm. they've got a they've got a becoming a good program it used to be a really really bad program and everybody would laugh at me when I tell them it was my favorite team I'm like I don't care how bad they are they're my team that's who I'm pulling for.
2: Uh, proudest moment.
3: Um. So I am not a good test taker and uh, uh, just as like with surveying there's two exams we have to take I'm also working on becoming a licensed engineer and I passed my first one of those exams. Oh, okay about six months ago or eight months ago now. Yep. So that's been, that was a huge relief off my shoulder and kind of gave mm. me a boost to get through the next the next few that Would I've got be. to come.
2: That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, morning or night person?
3: Uh, both. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I seem to stay <laughs> up late and wake up early and I don't know why I do it.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. I have that sometimes. Dream car.
3: Uh, sixty six Shelby GT Mustang.
2: Oh, nice. Yep. Mhm.
3: Wanted one since I was about five, and I keep looking at them, <laughs> and I'm just like, one day that'd be another thing I'd buy if I won the lottery. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I have a few. Have a few on the list that uh, I'd buy if we won the lottery too. Oh yeah. Um. Favorite color. Green. Green. Yep. Apple Big or Android? Oh, what what color green? Light or dark? Um or
3: just all
2: just green.
3: About, just about all green. Yeah. I've got <laughs> I laugh because my, my wardrobe contains gray shirts and green shirts and my girlfriend gives me a hard time about it. I'm like, it's hey, <laughs> easy to pick. Favorite color or just a plain shirt? What's it matter?
2: <laughs> oh funny. <laughs> uh Apple or Android?
3: Apple. Used to be an Android guy, but I, no. I'm stuck with Apple now. <laughs>
2: Are you stuck with Apple because you like it or you're stuck with Apple?
3: <laughs> uh we'll go with both on that one.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Gets a bit that way, isn't
3: like, it? I like the I like the iMessage a whole lot better. The group messages on it are are better than the Android. That's my yeah. my big pet peeve. Uh-huh. I get put in a group message and I get a green bubble pop up. I'm like, oh, who's got the Android in the group? <laughs> who's who's ruined then the group message? Damn
2: it. <laughs> <laughs> on a scale of one to ten, how cool are you?
1: I don't know. <laughs> um,
3: we'll go with a, a seven, eight. I have no oh. idea on that one.
2: <laughs> oh, and lastly, what's your star sign?
3: Oh, I have no idea.
2: Oh, you have no idea. You're my first. Hang on, hang,
3: hang on. I'm going to Google.
2: What month? January. Uh what
1: date?
2: 23rd. Oh, you're Aquarian.
3: There we go. That's what I am. I'm Aquarian.
2: On, no On the <laughs> cast. <laughs> On I'm the cast. On the 22nd cup. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I've had a I'll few. Have to remember that...
3: that. I'll shoot you a message.
2: <laughs> I've had a few that are the uh, uh very, very close to to me.
1: So
3: I'm I went...
2: we, we could start our own little Aquarian group. <laughs>
3: No, I went, my, it always seemed growing up, all my friends knew people that had birthdays the same day they did. And Uh nobody, you know, I'd go to school and they would always announce in the morning whose birthday it was and stuff. And it would always be January 23rd, it would be me and nobody else. And then uh, I turned 18 and I started working at a little store um, up the road from where we live. And I was working in there, it was kind of like a farm home store home goods store type thing they sold machinery and car parts and stuff like that
1: mm. and
3: uh there was me and five other people that worked there that all had the same birthday wow never <laughs> met anybody in my life with the same birthday as me I started there five of us they went out and bought one giant cake and brought it in for all of us <laughs>
2: how funny yeah well I don't I don't really know many people that have got the same birthday as me but they've always been one before or one after. one after and people with my name, there's, n- I don't hear many of those either. And
3: no, I, yeah, it's, it's an interesting name. I like it.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I, it's pretty cool. It's, uh, it kind of fits me. I think I've always been a tomboy. There you go. <laughs> Give me a boyish <laughs> name. <laughs> anyway, that is it for, for our chat. So thank you so much for joining me today, Luke. I really appreciate you coming on.
3: Hey, thanks for having me. I've really enjoyed it. It's been a pleasure talking to you.
2: Good. All righty. Oh, before we go, where can people find you?
3: Uh, You can find me on Instagram at, make sure I get this right, (laughs) bearded underscore surveyor underscore KY. And then if you want to check out the cool leather work I'm doing. Oh, yes. That is woodyard underscore leather underscore co just the letter co at the end of that and you'll find awesome. uh the post of what i've got going on there too so yep Beautiful. that's i'm on linkedin and facebook too just as luke woodyard so you can find me find me on those streams as well
2: excellent all right well thanks Luke. have a good night
3: hey thank you, you too have a good day have a good afternoon whatever <laughs> afternoon over there
2: wow well, uh, yeah it is now <laughs> Oh, these time zones, huh?
3: (laughs) Yeah, yep, yep. It's always fun. Thanks for having me. We'll see you later.
0: Thanks. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Luke, and I wish him a very happy birthday for Sunday. Stay tuned in a fortnight for a special chat with my friend, Braden Smith, also known as Charlie Brown, from Vision Surveys, who jumped on the line with me a few weeks ago for an impromptu catch-up.
1: Defining Boundaries
2: with Peter Cox.